grateful that we can celebrate together today. I want to do a couple things I hope that we can accomplish today. Um, I want to first of all walk through scripture with you, and, but I want you to be able to understand and grasp the context. As you may have read this many times and, and maybe it just hasn't come alive in the way that even for me this week, I just saw some new things this week as we look at this resurrection story. And I want us to understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus when things don't go the way you think they're going to go. And we'll circle back around and kind of, once we have some context, and kind of give you an idea uh, of how this may apply to you and I and how that we can walk forward from here today. When we conclude this message time today, we're going to share in communion together. And that's a time where you, if you're here for the very first time, it's a time that you, you can participate. There is no, um, not a big deal. You know, we just want you, if you are a follower of Christ, and you can even make that happen today, where you can just connect with God. That, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, and that's what it's all about with Jesus, that he came and he gave his life, and on the third day he rose, and he rose so that we might have uh, connection with the Father in this life and for eternity, and so uh, you can do that even today. If you've, you've drifted from faith, you can come back and come home today, or you've never had faith, you've never had an experience, well, that, that could happen for you even today, and we're going to try to help you consider that, because for me, there's no accident in how that we come together today. You uh, perhaps were invited, uh, maybe you saw us on Facebook, um, you've been on vacation perhaps this week, and you come together today because you thought it might be a good idea to see what's happening at this Access Church and to see what it is to experience a, the resurrection and a celebration as a church. And so wherever you're at today, wherever that falls with you, I, I just want to say personally I'm glad that you're here, I'm glad that you've taken time from your schedule to be here. I want to begin this morning, we, we've, we've called this Easter Matters because it does matter, it matters to each of us here individually. I want you to consider that application this morning at Easter Matters. And we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. And things have happened quickly. Things have happened so quickly. And I will begin reading here in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. And what has happened is that things went so quickly. You know, they were having supper and then went to the garden and then Jesus is taken. And for some, they hear about it Friday morning that Jesus has been taken and he is um, on trial and he's answering questions. And then by the afternoon, he's on the cross and by the evening, he's... He's passed, and things have happened so quickly that there was no opportunity, there was no advance warning to be able to, to uh, anoint his body, and so that's what's happening here. And in verse 2, 
of Mark 16. They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb because it's been sealed and it's heavy and who will do that? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. You, you would think with that, you think, you know, as we're post-resurrection and we can kind of look and imagine, oh my goodness, it, he's been resurrected, but that's not what his closest followers are thinking. They're thinking that someone has robbed the grave, that someone has stolen the body of Jesus, and they're trying to make sense of all this. In John 20, in verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. They're, they're referred to they because they don't know who they is. But they, someone, they have taken the Lord's body, and we don't know who they are. These ladies, they go back and report because you know everyone's in hiding. Everyone's in hiding. They're, they're afraid because their leader... You know, he was, he was a wonderful teacher and a wonderful person, and they had hopes that he would be the Messiah. And yet, they, as things have transpired, they are, they are scared now because not only is Jesus gone, but what happens to those that are closest to him? What will happen to them next? And so they're hiding, hoping not to be found and trying to make sense of it all. And so the women come back with the report, and, and Luke Chapter 24 and verse 11, Luke, who, who carefully interviewed people, he examined all these things his writings tell us. It's recorded, but they, again, those that are gathered uh, in hiding, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And again, not anybody, nobody is expecting nobody. They're not thinking uh, the, their default is not that Jesus has been risen. They're thinking the body has been stolen. Someone has moved him. Someone has moved the stone. They're not believing the story. In Luke 24 and verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Picture this. He goes and he sees for himself and the strips that had wrapped Jesus' body are lying there. And again, he's not thinking resurrection. He's not thinking Jesus rising again on the third day. Instead, he's, he's wondering to himself, what in the world has happened here? What is ha how, how could this be? And and they're not traveling as a group. Not everybody going to the tomb at the same time. They're thinking they would be arrested. They, that they were caught together. And so they're just Peter and John here. It's interesting that this, that they documented their own disbelief. Why would you do that? You know, when, if I were writing a story about myself, and I'd want to write the good stuff. I'd want to be thinking, you know, I, I was thinking resurrection all along, people. That's the way it would be. You know, when you, when you write a story or you're having a story told about yourself, we typically don't like to tell the hard stuff and the rough stuff and the struggles. We like to be, it to be a highlight reel. But it's interesting here that 
all these that are gathered, all these that are closest to Jesus, they document their own disbelief. They're tracking here. Then in John chapter 20 and verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, again, they have gathered together, the doors are locked. You know, they're afraid to be found. You know, what will happen next? We are, uh, they know that we're his followers. Will they take us as well? Will we die as well? And so they're in hiding. And then this happens. Luke chapter 24 and verse 37 and 38. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They said to, he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Why why are you afraid? Well, wouldn't you be afraid? Jesus, who we've walked with. Jesus, who they had seen die. Jesus, who they think his body has been moved and taken. And and all of a sudden, he's in the room. Whoa, wait a minute. How'd he get here? Surely it's it's a ghost. Again, they're not thinking resurrection. They're scared and it seemed like you know, Jesus loved doing this to his followers. You know, he, he loved when, when they're startled and they're afraid to be able to just say, Hey, why are you so afraid? What's wrong? On another occasion, they were in a boat together. And in the boat, and the, the storm rises and, and water starts to come into the boat. And Jesus is asleep. And so they wake Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, why, why are you so afraid? What's going on? But that's how we operate. See, when things do not go the way that we think they should go, and we tend to get frightened and we get scared, and even though we're as close to Jesus as these guys, and we still get rattled, don't we? We still get thinking, Lord, we had a different idea. We had a different idea of how this would play out. We were looking for you to set up an earthly kingdom and we were going to be on your left and on your right and things were going to be good and we were going to overturn this whole Roman thing and it's going to be good and all of a sudden dreams are shattered. Movement is over. Our would-be Messiah gone and then Jesus appears in the room. Do not be afraid. He says to them, in Luke 24, 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. See, this is, this is what's going to happen. You guys, you've been right with me. This all has to be fulfilled. And you're, you're living this with me. Jesus reminds them in verse 46 and 47, Of Luke 24. The Messiah will suffer. And rise from the dead on the third day. Remember that? And repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Will be preached in his name to all nations. All nations. But beginning at Jerusalem. This is the message. This is what will transpire. But remember. On the third day. Rising again. And he says this incredible thing in verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. Guys, you're with me. We have walked through this. This is scripture come to life. These are the teachings you've grown up with. This is, I I am he. I am the Messiah. 
Do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. You are witnesses of these things. The message is going to begin here in Jerusalem. And it's going to spread to all the nations. And you're a part of it. We gather today. It's resurrection day. It's an event. An event that changed the world. And yes, this is recorded in scripture. And it and also testimony. The resurrection of Jesus, it created Christianity. But before there was scripture, New Testament that we have the benefit of. For like 400 years, there was a story that was being told. There was eyewitness accounts. There was testimony. There was historical evidence of, of these things. And it's a, it is the testimony. You look at Matthew and Mark as they, they record and, and tell of this. There's Luke who examined all these things and captured eyewitness accounts. John. James, a half-brother of Jesus, he, he tells the story, he tells the, sto- the, the testimony. I've got some brothers. I'll tell you what, I, and I've thought about what would it take for one of my half-brothers even, for me to declare them my Lord. It'd take more than a few card tricks. <laughs> I, I would not be easily convinced that I'm going to call any brother or half-brother or family member of mine the my Lord. What happened with James that he's able to call his brother my Lord? And, I, and, I, and I'm telling you today, it is the resurrection. He saw a resurrected Jesus, and it changed everything. That became the story that launched the church. It was their testimony. The foundation of the Christian faith, it's an event, it's an extraordinary event with profound implications. It means that we get to be connected to God because of this resurrection. You see, we, it's very possible that we could, we could gather, we could be in the habit even of gathering. You know, some folks maybe only come to a church a couple times a year. At least it's that way in the U.S. We and it was for me a lot of times growing up. We'd get our Easter basket and we'd get our special clothes. And I always had some nice clothes for Easter. Um, and we would take some photos and we would, we would gather some eggs and we'd have some candy. But, and then maybe we wouldn't go to church again for a while. It might be, might be Christmas again. But that's, that's the reality of the story. And it's very possible as we talk about resurrection and as we talk about Easter that it could be something that we've heard so many times that it hasn't really, it hasn't really connected with us on a personal basis or what, what that involves and what that implies. I want it to be more than that for you today. I want, I want the resurrection to mean something personal to you today. I want you to be able to identify and say, yes, that is my resurrected Lord. That is my Jesus. I walk with him and talk with him. And he changes my life and changes my direction. The testimony of, of Peter as he records in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He, his, his testimony, his, his writing is that, that God is the father of this Jesus. He is our Lord. He goes on and he, he speaks of what David just sang about. In 1 Peter 1.3, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. That's a, that's a noun. He is our living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a resurrection story. That's what he told. That's what he told wherever he would go. That Jesus indeed, yes, he died, but he rose again. He is alive. That became their story, and that became what changed everything. You see, Peter, Peter, yes, he was invited by Jesus to come follow him, and he, he believed. But when <clears throat> Jesus gets taken away in the night from the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter says, forget this, I'm out. And he runs and he hides because it, it is a surprise. It is not what they saw coming. And so he believes and then he unbelieves. This can't be it. And then he's questioned by a middle school girl. And it ain't no way. I don't know the guy. I don't know him. He continues in his unbelief. But then sees a resurrected Jesus. And the story changes. He believes. He believes again. And history would tell us that Peter goes on to tell his story and tell his testimony and is eventually crucified himself. But history would tell us that Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as my Lord. So I'll be crucified upside down. Thank you. How does he go from being intimidated by a middle school girl to laying down his life and saying, there is no way I'm renouncing this story. Jesus indeed rose on the third day. How is that? And that's what I'm telling you today. The resurrection became so real to these folks. They went from scared and afraid to, I'm going to face life. And I'm going to face every life challenge walking with Jesus. And they did not have it easy. They, many martyred. Martyred for their faith. What changed? And I, I tell you today, it's because they saw a resurrected Jesus. They saw him come to life. It became personal and it became their story. And it's what launched the church. Peter goes on in verse 4. He says, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It is our inheritance. It is what is available to us. We can follow Christ and, and we have an inheritance that is beyond this life. And it, the inheritance is kept in heaven for you, Peter says. And this is, this is one who grew up and there was not a lot of talk about heaven in, uh, in the scripture that he grew up with. He heard Jesus, though, talk about heaven. He, talked, he heard Jesus talk about preparing a place in the future and that he was coming back again. And he, he's now able to talk and part of his testimony is about heaven. In verse 6, all of this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You know, it's okay. See, following Jesus, and, and, and I, I'm going to identify with this too. See, following Jesus, it's not meant that everything is going to be just easy now. You see, there's some, there's some talk like that. Well, you can, 
you can follow Jesus and it's all going to be good now. It's all, we're going to live a life of prosperity and we're going to be free from, from every trial of this life. And, and Peter didn't find that. And it didn't end that way for him. And I've not found that either. But what I have found is that following Jesus has made my life better and made me better at life. It has changed my life. It has changed my family. It has changed my legacy because of following Jesus. That, that, is, that is what it is. And that, that is the reality, the simplicity, the authenticity of following Jesus. Is that you will find him active in your life and trying to lead you and trying to help you build your life on a foundation that is solid. That is following Jesus. We walk through this life and we don't do it alone. We don't do it alone. Peter saw the worst thing imaginable happen to the best person he had ever known. In verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, it, 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 took, a pre, it took a perfect lamb of God. As John the Baptist was baptizing and he looked in the distance and he saw Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, it required a perfect sacrifice because you and I are not going to be perfect. You and I are going to walk through this life and we're going to endure some hardships and endure some trials and navigate life and do the best that we can. And and we need a, a perfect sacrifice to bridge that gap between us and God, so that we can connect. God wants us connected to Him. God wants us walking with Him. And it required the sacrifice of His only Son. Here's how we know that God is for us. Because Jesus died for us. Not because things always work out for us. I want you to think about that. Because don't be sucked into this, you know, that what I described a moment ago, that it's all going to work out for you. It's all going to be peachy. Because then you get disappointed. You get disappointed when you don't get that job. You get disappointed when someone hurts you. You get disappointed when there, there's an illness. You get disappointed when life just doesn't unfold the way that you thought. God is for us because Jesus died for us. In my mind and in my math, I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. I want to walk with Him, with His help, every day of my life, as long as I live on this earth, whatever time that is. Because this is not my home. It is not your home. Do not invest too much in this life and in this world. Your life is to be a witness. Here's the thing. God is personal. Suffering is not evidence of God's absence. Jesus, our Savior, suffered. That's how we have a Savior. it, It took His body to be broken, His blood to be shed, that we might have forgiveness of sin and that we might have communion with the Father. Suffering was part of the the walk of His closest companions. But God is personal and God is not absent. Heaven is real. Forgiveness is available. 
And you are loved by God. You. It's personal. The difference is this. See, I've, I've done life without Jesus. And it was hard. I've done, and when I've tried to go my own way, it gets hard. Because life is hard enough by itself. But Jesus makes the difference. You see, what I found is when life begins to press in on me, and life begins to crush and squeeze me a little bit, that I have Jesus as a Jesus follower. I have him to be my anchor and to be my foundation and to be that strength when I need supernatural strength. I've found that to be true. I look around the room and I'm reminded, I'm reminded in recent history even, of walking with Jesus and, and, and even asking myself, Lord, why? Why? This is so hard right now. The day is difficult. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm beginning to get afraid. And, I, and those thoughts so, have put me in that room with the disciples. I'm thinking the same thing. Because they had an idea of Jesus and what he was going to do. And they were walking so closely with him. And yet they missed it. And they were consumed by their fear. And they locked the door. And they assumed that someone stolen the body of Jesus. So close to him. And yet so much in error. So much of, of just being afraid. And I do the exact same thing. And I'm wondering if you might do the same as well. You see life begins to squeeze on us. And relationship becomes difficult. And pressures of life begin to consume us. And we wonder, you know, where will the finances come from? How will I navigate through this broken relationship? How will I, where, where will my next employment come from? I've made some problems. I've made some mistakes. And I'm in my own mess. And how do I get through this? And fear and pressure begin to consume us and we're walking with Jesus and we're thinking man it should be easier than this Lord you should be with me where are you just a few weeks ago I sat right back here about where you are Bob and I we had a little worship event and I was just kind of hiding in the back and I began to get I, I'd really had a difficult day to the point that I look back now and I'm thinking I was not too far different than Elijah. Because I'd seen God do some incredible things. And yet I felt myself, I just wanted to curl up in a, in a fetal position and think, God, what? Just, just move on. I can't do this. Why, why do we go this far and come to a wall? And I just, you know, I, get, I felt sorry for myself. Can I get a witness? You know, and I'm beginning to worship. I just, I just heard a whisper. And I heard a whisper that afternoon before we even worshiped. And the whisper to my spirit that just, just a gentle, hang in there. Hold on. I'm with you. I haven't forgotten you. <laughs> you know, I still felt like, Lord, I, I can't get up. I can't keep going. 
but, I, but I'm, they're expecting me to be here. And so I, w- I went back and I sit back here in the back. And I'm beginning to worship. You know, sometimes you just got to go through the, at least go through the motions of praise. I'm bringing a sacrifice of praise because I'm not feeling like it. And, and sometimes even, even Christian leaders, you know, we can get in a routine. We can get in a habit where it's just not fresh anymore. And kind of what I felt like, I felt like I'm just going through the motions. But I sat right back there where Bob's at now. And just the Spirit of the Lord began to, began to refresh my spirit a bit. And remind me that He had not forgotten me. And it's what I'm trying to relate to you today, that He's not forgotten you. And yes, it was emotional for me. And it is now to think about. But it didn't end there. It was that... Before that service ended, I got met right there. And God met my need in a tangible way. And reminded me again that He had not forgotten me. In my deepest fears, in my deepest struggles, He had not forgotten me. And that's the faithfulness of God, isn't it? I share that with you today, not because I really want to. But I share that with you today because I want to encourage you today. I don't want you to be that person that comes together in a church and and we don't see you again until next Easter. I don't want you to be that person that would leave here today and you think, well, that's fine for that pastor, but it's not okay for me because surely I'm forgotten and I'm alone. It's for you. I've just asked the Lord. I've wrestled with this all night, but I've thought, Lord, help me today. Help me to be able to relay to anybody that comes in this room that this is not, there is nothing special about me, but this is the love of God for all people, for everybody. Because you come in here today and you're alone and you're, you're facing a struggle. Maybe it's even your fault. You look around and you think, I've made such a mess of things and I'm afraid and I'm following Jesus and I'm as close as I can, but it's not what I pictured 10 years ago. It's not what I pictured 20 years ago. And I'm struggling right now and I'm afraid. And I just want, I want the reality of the resurrected Jesus to just bask over this place today. That you would, might leave here today if you know nothing else. That the Spirit of God moved among you today because a resurrected Lord was active in this place. This is not just something we call Easter. This is not just a religious ceremony. But it's the living God alive and at work and active and drawing your heart and moving by His Spirit to convince you that you are not the one who's alone. You don't have any reason to be afraid. He wants relationship with you. Oh. I want to pray over you today. And if for some reason I've missed you, You sit here today and you don't have a single need. It's all good. Then you can remain seated. But if you're here today and somehow the Spirit of God has identified with you today to say, that's my answer. That's my Lord. I want you to meet the Lord here today. You can be walking with Him and you can be a disciple and you can still be afraid here today. And we want to pray for you. 
Others of you could be here today. You've been apart from God. You've not been walking with God. And today could be the day that you need God to be alive and active in your life. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand to your feet. If that's you, if you have a need here today, before we pray, I'm going to ask you as an act of faith that you stand where you are. You have any need in this place, you begin to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you today. Any needs in this place? You, need to, you, need, you have a need that only God can supply. You see, now, I've, I've seen him do the miraculous in my life. And it reminds me of how active he is and how generous he is, how, what, how amazing he is, how he lavishes his love. And he, all, he just wants connection with us. He's a resurrected Lord. And he wants, to walk, he wants us to walk with him. Any need in this place, stand. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your sweet, holy presence. I thank you, Lord, in a gathering like this that we can just cry out to you. And I pray, God, as people have stood all around this room, God, they're in need. They, they have a need that only you can supply. And I have found you to be that God that can meet that need. And so, God, whatever the need is here today, may you give them peace and assurance in their heart that you have met them here today. I pray that you would do the miraculous in their lives today. God, there may be needs of health and healing. And God, would you accomplish that today because you're a risen Lord. And there's power and authority in the name of Jesus. Others, it's a relationship broken. The storm, the storm of life is overwhelming right now. And I pray, God, whisper your sweet peace this afternoon. Give them peace today. You're with them. Do not be afraid in Jesus' name. God, there's needs. There's needs for work and needs for finances and needs for ministry and needs for life and needs for families and I pray God you are the need meter you're our risen Lord our faith and our trust is in you today do your amazing work oh God give us that assurance call us from paths of sin to repentance oh Lord to be any here that they know you're a holy God, and they know that they're not walking with you, that there's sin in their life. I pray, God, for forgiveness of sin to reign in this place. I pray for repentance to be the attitude of our heart today before we would leave here. In Jesus' name, make us new, make us fresh, make us white as snow, because you're a resurrected king. You're the Lion of Judah. We thank you today for all that you've done for us. You've given all that you can. You've given your son, Jesus. And Lord, we love you today. Be with us as we worship you, as we sing today. May this place be filled with praise and honor and glory that is real and tangible because we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.